Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Good evening. It's, you know, it's, um, I'm so glad to see, uh, to see you all here and uh, to see your smiling faces. Um, you know, life throws some amazing or some hard blows at us. Um, and for you to be here tonight and still have a smile on your face is amazing. Nobody knows your story. Nobody knows what it took for you to walk through those doors this evening. But you're here and you've got a smile on your face. And for that, I am grateful. I am so very grateful. And I think I speak for all of our staff. And I said, I'm proud of, or we're proud of you for bearing up under whatever life is throwing at you and still pressing your way to get here. Some of you, it was hard for you to walk through those doors. You had excuses why not to come tonight, but you came anyway. And I believe that God is going to do something in your life this evening as a result of your faithfulness and you pushing to get here. Amen? Amen. Uh, If you have, uh, you know, I think Pastor Cody mentioned it already, but take a moment and download our, our mobile app if you don't have it already. Got some notes on there for you tonight. Uh, we encourage you to always take notes, write things down, um, because it helps you to remember um, what you're going to hear tonight. Good thing is we've got all of our messages archived on our website, so you can always go back and listen to them again. But take notes um, and go back and look at them, read over them, pray over them. God's going to speak something to you tonight. I believe it. And you write it down and you uh, allow that to just just, just to minister to you, just meditate on what God is going to speak to you tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about failure. We're going to talk about failure. And failure is a word that so many people are afraid of. It's a word that, that so many people uh, try to avoid. And failure... Is, a, is an adjective, but not a noun. That makes sense. Let me say it this way. Failure is something that we do. It's not who we are. And a lot of times, life will cause us to take a fail, uh, us failing and have us to tag ourselves as a failure. But I want to encourage you tonight that you're not a failure. You're not a mistake. You may have messed up. You may have blown it very badly. But you're not a failure. And there is restoration. If you haven't failed yet, you haven't lived enough. Because at some point in time, you're going to fail. Be it a big failure a small one, whatever the case may be, you are going to fail. I had a quote um, from uh, the greatest basketball player to ever step foot on this earth. And I'm sorry if you're a Tim Duncan fan or you're a LeBron James fan. I'm sorry if you're a Tony Parker or Manu fan. The greatest basketball player to ever step foot on the court is Michael Jordan. 
Now, LeBron is an amazing guy. Now, it's the sports in me. I'm sorry. He's an amazing, amazing player. Phenomenal. Like, there's never been an, an athlete to step foot on the court like LeBron James. Like, it's just, he's a freak of nature. But Michael Jordan is the, the, the uh, most amazing player to ever play the game. Um, we don't have a screen right now, so we can't see the quote. But I'm just going to kind of, if you remember, there's years ago, there was a, uh, a commercial, um, and this was back when I believe Michael Jordan was playing at the time. And he steps out of a car and he's walking down a tunnel. And he's going, you know, going to the door, he's shaking hands as he's walking by. And he's saying something as he's, as he's walking. And he said something, uh, and I'm probably going to botch it a little bit, but it's okay. He said, I've missed over 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost over 300 and some, some odd games over the course of my career. The ball has been in my hand at the end of a game and I missed a shot 26 times. He said, I failed over and over and over again and that's why I succeed. And I thought that was so amazing that the greatest player to ever play the game said, I failed over and over and over again, but that's why I succeed. What would have happened if Michael Jordan had missed that first shot at the end of the game and caused his team to lose, and he said, you know what? I'm not shooting again. Scotty, you gotta take it. What would have happened if he did the first and the second, third, got to the fifth shot and he missed it again? And he said, you know what? I'm not even doing it again. I'm not going for it again. Would Michael Jordan still be as great as he was? I think he wouldn't. The reason that I think he wouldn't is because Michael Jordan embraced failure. Wow, that's like an oxymoron. He embraced failure. He said, I failed over and over and over again, but that is why I succeed. Because Michael Jordan realized that, yeah, I missed one, two, three, 20, 24, 25, 26, but I'm gonna hit 27. Every time he shot, he felt in his heart that he was gonna hit that shot. Now, whether he missed it or not, it didn't matter, but he's gonna get back up again. He's gonna try it again. This time, I'm gonna make it. We're gonna fail, we're gonna make mistakes. But the person, and I don't, know, uh, I don't know if I read, I was talking to Pastor Rob the other day, and I said, I don't know if I read this quote somewhere, we read so many books and so many different things, I don't know if I even thought of it myself, so <laughs> I'm just gonna take credit for it right now. <laughs> but the person, and somebody's calling me and my phone is ringing on my watch. The person that is afraid to fail is the person that will never see success. The person that's afraid to make a mistake, to fall, is a person that will never reach their goals, that will never reach the highest of heights because they're afraid to take a risk. They're afraid that they're gonna fail. But let me let you in on a, on a couple truths about failure. And this is in your notes if you have, have the app up. Number one, failure is not an option. You ever heard that? You ever heard that say it? 
and you made that, you know, failure is not an option. I'm gonna succeed, failure is not an option. But let me put a spin on it, failure is not an option, but guess what? It's a reality. Failure is not an option, but it's a reality. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. You are going to fail sometime. And that may be hard to hear. It's like, Pastor Dave, you stand over the pulpit and you're telling me I'm gonna fail? You're absolutely correct. You are. It's inevitable. And I would be lying to you if I said, you're not gonna fail. All you, just, all you have to do is just believe that you're always gonna succeed. All you have to do is just believe that you're always gonna come out on top. Yeah, you still have that kind of faith, but the truth of the matter is, at some point you're gonna fail. Failure is not an option. It's a reality. But number two, failure is an, is an event, not a destiny. It's just something that happens on the, along the course of your life, but it is not your destiny. It is not who you are, it does not define you. It's something that you've done, it's something that you've experienced, it's something that you've encountered, but it's not your destiny. You're not destined to fail. You just fail. And number three, I already said it, but failure doesn't define you, but what happens afterward does. The fact that you failed, the fact that you, you made a mistake, that you fell short, that doesn't define you. But what happens after you fail is what's gonna show who you really are and what you're made of. Henry Ford, and you may know the story of Henry Ford and the Model T, and how many times he tried to make this, this vehicle. He tried to make it, tried to make it, and he kept doing it, and finally it worked. Now, that's just paraphrasing, but in essence, that's what happened. But he said this quote, he says, failure is the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. And I love that. Failure is just an opportunity for you to try it again, but be smarter about it. You know, there's, I don't know if this was a cartoon or something, but you know, there was an old adage when I was growing up, said if at first you don't succeed, Try and try again. If at first you fail, try and try again. It doesn't define you. It's just an event. But it gives you an opportunity to try again, but to do it better. There's a story in, in, in the Bible that we, we all know, and if we don't know, we're going to talk about it tonight. Happened over 2,000 years ago, but we still talk about this failure today. So let's look at Luke chapter 22, verse 54 through 62. If you have your Bibles or your app or, or what have you, we have a Bible on, the, uh, on our mobile app as well if you, if you have that. But let's read, it says, then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest, talking about Jesus, 
Peter followed at a distance in verse 55. And when some and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. Anybody want to know where the other disciples were? Anybody ever read that and thought about that? It's food for thought. In verse 56, a servant girl saw him seated here in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, wait, you also are one of them. He said, man, no, I'm not. That's my version. Verse 59, about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And I, this, this next verse right here stuck out to me like it never stuck out to me before. Verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. Verse 62, and he went outside and wept bitterly. That part right there hit me like a ton of bricks. Because I could imagine what Peter felt, the pit that he felt in his stomach. When he's in this crowd of people around this fire, and the rooster crows, and out of all the people in this crowd, Jesus catches his eye and looks right at him. Can you imagine the pain that Peter felt? Can you imagine the shame that he felt? This is the same man that was just in the upper room and said, I would die with you, Jesus. Wherever you go, I would die with you. I'm more loyal to you than all these other disciples. He said it, read it. I'd die with you. And then he denies him. Rooster crows and Jesus just looks at him. This is a man that, I, that has poured so much into me that has loved me so much, and I just betrayed him. And Peter leaves out, and he cries. But the thing that we see in this story is that Jesus does something so very profound. We can all agree that that was a failure on Peter's part. We can all agree that Peter failed right there. And there's no doubt in my mind that when Peter was in that upper room and he said, Jesus, I would die with you. If they take you, I'm going with you. There's no doubt in my mind that he truly meant that in his heart. And Jesus said, but listen, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. No, Jesus, I'd never do that. And I truly believe that he meant that. How many times have we in our own lives, told our spouse, told our child, told someone else, I'd never do that. I'd never lie. I would never hurt you. I would never do this. I would never do that. 
There's no doubt in my mind that you mean it with all your heart. The truth of the matter is, it still happens. Jesus did a couple things after Peter failed. The first thing that Peter or that Jesus did, and this isn't in your notes, I actually was, you know, writing this, uh, this particular portion um, after I'd already sent my notes in. So sorry, uh, production team. But the first thing that Jesus did was that Jesus called for Peter. He sent for him. In Mark chapter 16, after Jesus is risen, and they come to the tomb, and the angel's there at the tomb. Everybody know that story? The angel's there at the tomb, and the angel says something to them. We don't know if it's a he or she, just say angel. It says, go and tell the disciples and Peter. He didn't just say, go and tell the disciples. He said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Well, why? Why did the angel separate the disciples and Peter? The angel didn't separate the disciples and Peter. Peter separated the disciples and Peter. We don't know what happened after Peter caught that gaze from Jesus. And I believe it wasn't an angry gaze, but it was more a gaze of a gaze of love. <laughs> it's just a little thunder. Jesus loves you. <laughs> that was for the person that didn't uh, raise their hand when I said if anybody failed. <laughs> that was a warning. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but after Jesus catches Peter's eye, Peter runs out and he's crying. The scripture doesn't tell us what happened to Peter after that. So we don't know. We don't know, we don't know where Peter was on that Friday when Jesus was crucified. It doesn't say that he was there. We don't know where he was when he was buried. But I can just step out on a limb and I can say I know exactly where Peter was. Peter was hiding. Because I know what I would have done if I hurt someone that I truly loved. I don't want to see you. I don't want to see anybody that knows that I failed, that I made this mistake because I'm ashamed. I just want to hide. I just want to stay in my room up under the covers and eat ice cream and chocolate chip cookies all day with some caramel on top. I just backslid right there a little bit. But I believe that Peter isolated himself. He didn't want to be around anyone. And so that's why the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter. That was one of the reasons why. But Peter may have fell in that upper room when he was just so boastful and saying, Jesus, I would never leave you. I'll die with you. But Jesus still called for him. Peter may have failed when he was in the garden and they were coming to arrest Jesus and he took his sword out and he cut the, man, the soldier's ear off. And Jesus picked the ear up and slapped it back on his head and said, Peter, put your sword up. This has got to happen. He may have failed then, but Jesus still called for him. Peter may have failed in that courtyard when he was sitting around that fire 
And three different people came and asked him, do you know him? You were that same man that was with him. And he said, I don't know him. He may have failed then, but Jesus still sent for him. He still called for him by name. Doesn't matter what you've done, what mistake you have made. Jesus is still calling you by name because you're valuable to him. You matter to him. He didn't write Peter off as a permanent failure. He didn't put a tag on him and say, you're the biggest loser. (laughs) But Jesus called for him. Jesus still had plans for Peter, even in all of that. He still had plans to give him a hope in the future, Jeremiah 29, 11, to give him a second chance. So he called for him, and the second thing that Jesus did was Jesus met with Peter. And again, we don't know what happened to Peter after he denied him, but what we do know is that Jesus met with Peter specifically. And the New Testament actually mentions it twice. You see it in in, uh, Luke chapter 24. It says that the Lord had risen and had appeared to Simon. This is after he had risen. And then you see Paul write about it in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 15. And he says that he was raised from the dead on the third day and he appeared to Peter and to the 12. So we know that there was a point in time, because Peter wasn't with the disciples, there was a point in time that Jesus actually went and met with Peter. We don't know what Jesus said. We don't know how long the meeting was. But Scripture tells us that Jesus met with him. He came to him right where he was, in hiding, in isolation, with him trying to separate himself. Shameful Peter, guilty Peter, Jesus came and met with him. I believe Jesus came and he just loved on him. Jesus not only sent for Peter, but he went to meet with him. And I think he went to meet with him before he went to meet with the 12. So he sent for him, he met with him. And then the third thing that he did was he reinstated Peter. In John chapter 21, it's the last chapter of John, they're standing, uh, they get up from eating breakfast. (laughs) I'm just gonna say it was breakfast because it was in the morning. They get up from eating breakfast and Peter, Jesus walks away with Peter. This is after he had already risen, or been crucified and risen. He walks away and he's talking to Peter around the fire. And he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he was talking about the disciples. And I think he did that for a reason because in the upper room, Peter said, listen, I'm more loyal than anybody. I'll die with you. So he asked him, Peter, do you love me more than these? And that boastful, confident Peter that was in the upper room, you saw him become humble in an instant. He could have said, yeah, I love you more than all of them. 
But his response was, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my lambs. Then he says to him again, Peter, Simon, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. And he asks him again, Peter, this is all in the healing process. Peter, do you love me? Now Peter's angry, like you'd asked me three times, like I done told you twice I love you. And Peter, again, that boastful, overly confident Peter became humbled again. And he didn't speak in his own self, but he said, Lord, you know all things. So you know I love you. And he told him again, feed my sheep. Jesus did that for a reason, I believe. This is my opinion. You may read it and, and, and God will show you something completely different and that's okay. But I believe Jesus did this openly because Peter denied him openly. And so he did this to heal Peter, but he also did this for the disciples because the disciples know, knew that he denied him. I'm sure the news got around. And in fact, he was hiding from them. So they already knew. So there's a question in them, is he really for us? Is he really for Jesus? So Jesus did this to heal Peter, but he also did this for the disciples. And they're around this, this fire, and, if, and uh, the Greek word for that, that charcoal fire that it's talking about, I can't pronounce it, Pastor Rob is the Greek guy, so if you wanted to ask him, I don't know Greek like that, but that same Greek word there in John 21 with the charcoal fire is only used one other time in the New Testament, and that's in John chapter 18. You want to know where that is? When Jesus, or when Peter is in that courtyard and he denies Jesus. So in front of one fire, Peter says, I don't know him. And then in front of another fire, Peter says, you know I love you. In front of one fire, Peter said, denies knowing Jesus. And in front of the other fire, Jesus restores Peter. You asked, did it work? Was Peter healed? Well, we know one thing, that Peter never denied Jesus again. He failed, but he never denied Jesus again. And in fact, a couple of chapters over in Acts chapter 2, Peter's in this temple and he preaches this message right after that and has the largest altar call to date. Nobody has ever had 3,000 salvations at one time. 3,000 people were saved in that message. How did he go from being a failure or from failing and having this, this feeling of being a failure to getting 3,000 people saved for Jesus? I believe it's because Peter understood a couple things, and we're going to talk about that. Failure was not final for Peter. 
because he understood some things. And failure is not final for you if you understand the same. Failure is not final if, number one, we recognize that everybody fails. Everybody fails. Letter A, nobody is perfect. Listen, failure is just common. We all fail. And you have to realize that just because you fail at one thing, it does not make you a failure at everything. Don't allow the enemy to cause you to feel that because you failed at one thing that you're a failure at everything. It's not true. And a common denominator for people that learn how to deal with failure and hardships in life is that they don't give up. No matter what it is, don't give up. Failure is not final if we recognize that everyone fails, and it's not final if we remember that God's love and forgiveness does not depend on our success. His love and forgiveness does not, whether you succeed or not, doesn't mean that he's gonna love you more or love you less. He loves you just because you're his. Whether you succeed or fail, he still loves you. You've seen that in the life of Peter, in that story with Peter. Jesus already knew. He said, listen, you're gonna deny me three times before the rooster crows. He already knew that he was gonna fail. No matter how you may have failed, no matter what sin you have allowed into your life, the Savior who died for you still loves you. And I love this chapter, when I, or this, this scripture in Luke, because Jesus knew that Peter was gonna fail. Luke chapter 22, 32, he tells Peter, he says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. The enemy decides to have, or desires to have you, but I have prayed for you. I know you're going to deny me, but Peter, I prayed for you. I know you're going to make a mistake. I know that you're going to just really jack it up. You're going to blow, I mean, you're just going to mess up so very bad, but I have prayed for you. I hear Jesus saying that to you this evening. Number three. Failure is not final if we learn and grow from our failures. Don't waste your failure experience. Take advantage of it. Failure is just an experience. Don't waste it. What do you mean? Learn from it. In every success and in every failure, there is something that you can learn and grow from. So don't waste that experience. And then number four, Failure is not final if we put our failures behind us. Say, let it go. Say it, let it go. Whatever the failure is, say it, let it go. Put it behind you. Let it go. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to change it. You can't go back in time and erase the fact that you actually did it. Let it go. Failure is not an excuse for not trying again. 
Proverbs 24, 16. It says this, for though the righteous falls seven times, I love that, they rise again. And then lastly, everyone fails at one point or another, but what we need to remember is that we do not have to stay down. You make a choice when you fail, whether whether you're gonna get up, brush your shoulders off, fix your shirt, whatever the case may be, and keep going, or if you're gonna stay there and wallow in it, you're gonna stay there and cry. Get back up. Failure is not final. If we recognize that everyone fails, if we remember that God's love and forgiveness does not depend on our success as the team comes up, we learn and grow from our failures, and we put our failures behind us and go on. You messed up. So what? You really screwed it up. Your marriage is probably on the verge of of ending because of your mess up. You can make a choice to allow that failure to define you or to allow that failure to propel you. There's nothing you can do to erase the failure, but you can make the right decision, the right choice to move forward. The scripture says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory. Listen, even I fail. I know sometimes we try as pastors, people, what they call people of the cloth, clergy, leaders, we try to keep up the facade that everything is going right, that everything is just going swell, Everything is just all good. Sometimes we're crying on the inside. Can I tell you that I made a mistake before I came here today? I made a mistake before I came here today. Before I came up and got in this pulpit or behind this podium, pulpit's up there. (laughs) But Jesus still loves me. His grace is still upon me. And the same goes for you. Doesn't matter the mistake. He still loves you. And he's calling you by name. And he wants to meet with you. And he wants to restore you. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.